with Arnie Mindell. Hi, Arnie. Hello, Serge. So, um, today we're going to be talking about process work. Uh-huh. And uh, for those people who are not that familiar with it, who maybe know the name but not so much about the specifics, would you say a little bit about it? Okay. Uh, first, I just want to thank you for uh, inviting me and, and uh, interviewing me. I think that's really nice of you. It's not just done out of the clear blue sky. It takes your time and energy, and I want to thank you about that. It's a pleasure for me. Yeah. Well, let me say something about process work. Um, it, you know, I was originally a student of physics, and then I... Uh, studied Jungian psychology and uh, process work began when I realized that dreams and dreaming were not just happening at night but were happening uh, during the daytime. Process work began with me suddenly discovering uh, quite simply that uh, you can follow somebody's body, that means you follow the signals that they're sending, the face goes down, or their head goes down, or their arms go up, or whatever, and by following these signals, the unconscious signals, not the ones they identify with, but the signals that people have that they're not usually very aware of, following those signals follows dreams and the dreaming process. So, Arnie, I just want to ask you a question right here. You said sure. we're not just dreaming when we're sleeping, but right. we're also dreaming when we're awake. Right. So would you say a little bit more about that? We're dreaming while we are awake. That means that uh, it's. I think it was understandable that people got all excited at first and said, we dream at night, let's interpret that, because that is such a wonderful thing and uh, you can understand your dreams and interpret them and get a lot out of that for your everyday mind. However, those dreams appear in our bodies during the daytime in terms of our symptoms, and those dreams can appear in body signals that we're not aware of, like I said before, putting your hands up or down, uh, just to make a really simple example, someone who says, I'm a very happy person, but she puts her head down or her shoulders go down. You can say, you may be very happy, but I see there's also something moving downwards. Let's see what that's all about. Mm. And, and then she says to me, a dream? Well, I came to you for dream work. I don't know if I want to go into that. I said, well, what did you dream? <laughs> And the person says, I dreamed about exploring a cave. So there's her body going down and her dream about exploring a cave. So that's that, a little tiny example. But that's a beautiful example to show how both, so that it's forms of expression yeah. of some uh, deeper reality. Yeah, who yeah. we really are is what we say we are, and it's what we're doing but not totally conscious of. Everybody's always known that. Yeah. Process work simply made an art and a science out of it. Yeah. 
so um, so so the art and the science, you know, yeah. just well, maybe just um, could you say a little bit more about this process of exploring the process? Well, follow process. That's something that the old Taoist said about three three thousand years before Christ, at least in China. Follow nature. It seems to know what to do. And so that's the spiritual thing, is that nature is ancient. She's older than, than all of us human beings, and we're only about 200,000 years old, but the nature of this planet is, I don't know what it is, about 5 billion, something like that. Follow nature, follow nature inside of us. So, and now, the Tao has said it all, uh, Mm, 5,000 years ago or something like that. However, how do you do it in everyday life? And then I began to think and say, well, I can see dreams happening in the body. How do I follow other things? Well, there's other channels, channels of awareness. And so the dreaming process manifests in movement. I just described that, how the woman bends down, you know. Mm-hmm. And it describes, and the dreaming process appears visually in terms of fantasies and what have you. Mm-hmm. But it can also appear in terms of sudden smells. Take mm-hmm. a big sniff. Mmm, what's out there cooking? Yeah. <laughs> you can dream like that. All the different sensory grounded channels. And it happens to us in synchronicities and, and in terms of what I call the world channel sometimes. Things catch our attention. We don't want to look at them. They say, oh, look at that star out there. Oh, that's a funny-looking kid jumping around there. Mm -hmm. These sudden things uh, are characteristic of uh, little flirt-like things that catch our attention. Those are also part of our dreaming. Yeah. All of that is process work there. So, but so, so this is not, you know, when you use dream in that sense, yeah. it's not in the everyday world that we use uh, dream uh, in everyday language. Right. Well, it can be. Someone mm-hmm. says, I dream something, so I use that language when that person is there. But dreaming means following that same process that's behind that dream, but following it in everyday life all the time, yeah. uh, regardless of what you're doing. Right, right. So so that following, the, in a way, following the Tao. Funneling the Tao. I like how you say that. <laughs> and that, I'll just say one more statement about process work. That idea is so central and so useful that I began to apply it not just with individuals, but also relationships and then organizations. We've applied that in large group conflicts mm-hmm. between uh, groups of people because groups also have an everyday mind and they have a dreaming mind. That's the things they don't identify with. Mm-hmm. Also have a kind of dreaming to them. And then I also said, well, since psychology is supposed to be about people, let's make it about people. So then sometimes people start to die or they get into a coma, or whatever. So I began to apply process work also in those very altered states of subconsciousness. So it has quite a spectrum of applications. So let's stick for the moment to uh, individual 
to get a little bit of a sense of what it is. Right. And then maybe we can come back to a larger context. I like your attitude. Let's be specific. Okay. So let's go and, you know, again, for people who don't really have much of an idea of what the process work is, yeah. let's say you, you just gave a little bit of a sense of it with this woman who's, you know, you observe the body movement and the right. dream. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what happens in a session. You know, I know understanding and those two sessions are alike, but we'll take one as an example. No two sessions are alike at all, and following the process can be very unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And because I was a Jungian at one time, and then before I became a process worker, uh, a lot of people came to me because of body problems originally. So take a kid, a uh, let's let's I think in the moment of a. Uh, four or five-year-old child was brought to me by uh, his parents. And his parents said, he won't take his asthma medication. Please, please, doctor, tell him to take his medication. So I thought, okay, what does following the process mean here? So uh, this little kid came in, and I said, let's call him, let's call him Sam. Hey, Sam, I said, why don't you take your meds? That'll, that'll make you can breathe better. And this little kid, of all things, spit at me. <laughs> so I thought this is a new kind of therapy. I haven't yet explored what that's about. Yeah. That was one of my first clients. So I said, <laughs> so I said, parents, please excuse me. I, I don't often spit, but since you're trusting me and you're here, I want to play a little bit with your child. So I kind of acted like I spit back and went poof, mm-hmm. like that, whereupon he really spit at me, mm-hmm. that little monster. <laughs> <laughs> and I went poof right back at him, mm-hmm. and this little uh, uh, poofing back and forth at one another went on for about five minutes or so. And he started to get out of breath, and I was totally out of breath. We were both so excited running around the room. (laughs) Can you imagine? And the parents were sitting there uh, looking at each other. Just wondering what kind of a doctor they had brought their kid to. Well, they had heard about the fact that sometimes unusual things happen. And uh, so I said to them, is it okay at every step? May I go on with this a little bit? I don't know where it's going to go. And with their okay about all of this, we went out for about five minutes. The kid was out of breath, and the kid turned around and said, I like you. <laughs> and I, I, of course, you know, that's what a therapist wants to hear. Yeah. But I said, yeah, but uh, uh, how come you're doing that? He said, how should I know? It's just fun. Mm. He said, I like letting everything out. Mm. So... Uh, I said, well, isn't that wonderful? And the mother was very nervous. She said, well, are you all right? Can you breathe? But actually, his asthma had disappeared. Mm. Did it go out the window? What happened to it? I don't know. But uh, I do know that this child was a very strong and had a lot of aggressive energy, which he had not been able to. This was in Switzerland, mind you. Mm. It was very sweet and very proper. Yeah. And it gave him a little bit of a, of a, 
of fun and breakout, and I don't know what happened to his asthma. I can't explain it, but he didn't need his medication anymore. His doctor came and saw me afterwards and wanted to know what I had done. Mm -hmm. I just said I followed the kids' process. Mm. So it's interesting that um, uh, I want to give you a, a little feedback in a way so that from there you can uh, yeah. you know, use it to, to describe the process. But what I'm hearing yeah. is part of you asking at the beginning, what is the process going to be? Yeah. So in a way, just having that uh, attitude of you want to follow the process, you don't know what it is, but you're on the lookout for the process. Open mind and awareness. Oh, yeah. That's right. Good. Yeah. That's right, Sarah. Just keep an open, when someone comes to see you, frequently the solution lies within the description of the problem. While someone is telling you a problem, look, watch what they're doing at the same time. That can be very, very helpful. And so the, the other thing I noticed in your description okay. is um, uh, the openness not just to an intellectual understanding yeah. of what happens, but actually to following your gut feeling of, um, of, yeah. what, of what, what happens. Well, yes, I was following my gut feeling, but I was also following a little bit of my intellect, which says this child has a lot of spontaneity, and the parents are sitting very quietly, and they look like really nice people, but there's a terrific dichotomy. The child has lots of energy, mm -hmm. and they're trying to keep everything nice and tame, which I, I understand both of them. Yes. And so it became, uh, in a way, a family process, too, at the same time. That individual process yeah. became that at another session later on with those parents. I said, maybe you guys want to play a little bit more mm -hmm. and tickle each other or something like that. At the mm -hmm. Anyway, so just following what's happening. Right, right. And, um, and then... Um, um, you know, just uh, you were not explaining the diagnosis of the situation and saying, I see this and this and that, but you acted on it. Yeah, I see lots of things, but I never trust my mind until I see what's happened. Then I can behave intelligently, but to behave intelligently before you've seen the process is like talking about a, a world before you've seen it. Yeah. But so now this was with a kid. Yeah. So understandably with a kid, you know, uh, people have the context of play therapy. And sure. by extension, you could say you did a form of play therapy. Absolutely. You could definitely say that's within the realm of play therapy. And But with, say, a grown-up, would you also have, in a way, uh, follow your intuition and act it out, or play, or your intuition and intellect? Or would you explain something? How would you proceed? With a, it depends upon the adult. The adult says, I really need to understand this more. Please explain that to me. And I say, well, let's follow your process. They say, I really want to understand. Then the process is to understand. Oh. Then I'll say, okay, let me use my brains as best I can. Let's think about it together, and we can always try something else afterwards if you'd like. Okay. So in other words, the process is large enough 
to not just include uh, what people would consider process, but include also the brain and the wanting to understand. The pro yes, process for me, being, you see, a scientist originally, means what's happening. <laughs> so if somebody is intellectual, and that's very important to them, well, I try to follow that as best I can. Mm -hmm. But with other people, sometimes you just can't do that. Like, for example, can I give you another example? Sure, of course, that would be great. I want to give you an example, but I'm, it's about, like, there was a big conflict Amy, that's my wife, Amy and I worked on in Ireland uh, before the peace accord. Mm -hmm. And it has to do with the body and also bringing your dreaming out in a public situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I talk about that? Absolutely, that would be great. Yeah, so the man from the north of Ireland, let's call it the north, is yelling at a man from the south of Ireland in the middle of a group of mm, several hundred, two, three hundred people. And they're, they came together, came together to talk about the relationship. How do we relate to one another after long-standing conflicts? Mm -hmm. And to make the story very, very short, uh, the man from the north said to the man from the south, I'm a politician, he said, and you I don't like, he said. Mm -hmm. And your people attacked my people in a bar and you killed my family members. And the other guy on the other side from the south says something similar. So I thought, now what next? How do I follow the process? Mm -hmm. so I looked very carefully, Serge, at the man from the north, and I said, I see suddenly as you're speaking a very red neck. <laughs> I don't know why, but this, your otherwise looks so bland, but that neck is very, very red. Well, of course, he said, I have lethally high blood pressure. <laughs> don't you know? Well, how would you know? He says, you don't know me. And then the man from the south said, you have high blood pressure. Ha! Huh. I have just recently had a heart attack. My doctor told me, don't go there. You could die. Mm -hmm. So the man from the north said, you think you could die? And the man from the south said, you mean you could die too? Mm. And something weird happens when the dreamlike body background comes forward. And it happened in that particular uh, setting that the man from the north slowly walked across the room to the other man and realizing that they both were in danger of dying, he put his arm around his shoulder. The man from the north put his arm around the, man from, around the shoulder of the man from the south. And they just stood there quietly. Mm. The whole group settled down. It got much quieter. And that was an amazing setting. And the next day there in Dublin where we were, uh, people voted, uh, it was a, not the peace accord, they voted for peace to stop the fighting. Mm -hmm. Now, who, this little several hundred people certainly didn't do it. But it just goes to show that following the process, watching what's happening, that you don't understand going deeper into it can be useful even in large group conflicts. Yeah, yeah.
Yeah, so just that, that watching and, um, you know, that um, letting yourself. So something happened as you noticed the red neck. Yeah. And you didn't dismiss it as you just followed that. Yes. So was it a case of intuition or intuition and intellect? What happened? Well, what I, happened? I like your attitude. You know, I, I don't trust my intuition. I trust what I've now seen so many times. Mm-hmm. So I trust when I see something that seems incongruent with the moment. Okay. Uh, like a very, very red face or neck on a light-skinned person while looking otherwise uh, upset, but certainly not uh, uh, utterly explosive, seeing the incongruities and bringing those out in a, in a, in a safe, a possible way. Sometimes mm. you work in very rough situations, so uh, the safest possible way has until now led always to the best conclusion just to follow what's happening. So that, uh, in a way, the follow what's happening is pay attention to what doesn't fit the pattern, what is an incongruity. What doesn't fit, the person is saying one thing, the human being, we human beings say one thing, but we're, as everyone knows, we're a totality, mm-hmm. and our bodies are doing sometimes something a little different. I want to know what that difference is. So what's, is there a relationship between that and, say, the shadow in the Jungian approach? Well, the shadow in the Jungian approach is usually the repressed uh, side of a person, uh, like a man's shadow is a male, a woman's shadow is a, is a woman. And But I, yes, you could squeeze it under there, but uh, I'd like to just say this is, if Jung were alive today and he were listening to our conversation, he would say, Ah, so, yavo, he would say. That means yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's the dream that counts. Yeah. The broader concept than just the shadow. Okay. And, um, and, uh, and what you're doing is you're on the lookout for that little thing that's going to be a discrepancy. You got it. Um, that little thing that's going to be a discrepancy, even in with people who are in a coma. Mm-hmm. So, if so yeah. So if you have an example about that, how sure. do, what's that? Uh, what? Yeah. Sure. Uh, so thanks for asking. But yes, the the think of a person, for example, I, I write about him in one of my books, who Amy and I worked with, who was in a coma and he was uh, dying, and he was. Uh, this was the last day of his life and people thought well he's just in a coma let's give him an overdose of uh, pain medication and morphium and make it easy for him and we thought well if that's what the family wants but the family said no they, they, they had an intuition something else could happen so they called us and we went and we saw this man lying in bed stairs and all he was doing Every now and then, his eyebrow would move up and down. Mm. Now, a medical person and my own medical knowledge says, well, that's maybe just a nervous twitch of some sort. Uh, but we take that very, we took that very seriously. We put very, very, very gentle finger with the okay of his wife, who was sitting with us, 
put one of our fingers on his little eyebrow and just twitched it a little bit and said, oh, the eyebrow is moving. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened uh, for a couple of minutes. And then we say, and it moved again. I said, well, thank you. Your eyebrow moved again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's something to raise your eyebrows about. <laughs> now I'll make the story short. Just following those minimal cues, they're incongruent. He's supposed to be dying and what have you. After about 10 or 15 minutes, he sat up. Suddenly, he was no longer in a coma. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want, I want, uh, I want uh, some beer. And I want uh, some toast. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you. And he, when they had, he told us the most incredible fairy tale-like kind of information, but was very related. And there was all sorts of things he hadn't said to his wife and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then later, uh, a day or so later, he then quietly went to sleep, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But there's an example of how there's so much dreaming, also much of it wants to be expressed. Even at times we think, oh no, don't follow the dreaming body. Mm-hmm. You know, but people frequently respond, I want to say, I'm saying frequently to be scientific and to be uh, uh, conservative, uh, because if you haven't been trained in this, uh, you need training. Mm-hmm. So I want to say people almost always respond. Mm-hmm. People love being paid attention to. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that actually people, uh, you know, usually do not get attention to because it's hidden. You got it. Yeah. That's why people don't feel heard. They don't feel we we human beings don't feel heard, and we don't feel seen unless. Somebody takes time to feel deeply into what we're experiencing and check that out. So that seems to be a good clue to talk a little bit about using the process work in relationships. Yeah. Well, we could use that. Yes, definitely. Yeah, if you think of process work in relationships, well, you could think of those two men I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Or to make that very simple, there is following the one man's process led him to express his fears of death mm-hmm. and vicinity to death. And that touched the, that was actually what he shared with the other person. So when you follow your dreaming process uh, uh, with French, in friendships or in teamwork or there in the large group work, frequently that connects in some deep and mysterious way. I say mysterious because you can't know it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. What the other person is feeling too. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a common ground. Yeah. So that's one of the great keys to relationships. Yeah. So that that opens up the possibility of a common ground. That that opens up the and it opens up the common ground itself. Well, you're you're mm-hmm. afraid of that. Well, I'm afraid of that. Well, wow. So we have something we share. Yeah. And that's what's missing. Almost all relationship conflicts are about the fact that people feel they're not being that their basic essence isn't being shared with the other person. Right. So, 
Anyway, follow follow the process. That's what I say. Okay. <laughs> and it's so, so simple, you know. You think, why did it take? But it why did why does it take so long for us to get that? But uh, actually, it's so simple. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You need yeah. to really also use your awareness to pick up these various signals. So you know, actually, when you've been training people, what kinds of things have you been encountering that either hinder or help people uh, get this uh, this understanding of following the process in in reality, not in principle, but in practice? The the, the yes, well, we we working with our training schools in various parts of the world, and. Uh, I think everybody gets this in principle. It sounds right, and uh, it feels right when it's applied to you. But actually getting it and using it outside, you can use it, you can build on it, and you can usually use it in a practice as long as you're not bothered by the countertransference or people aren't upset with you so that your mind is free. You usually can use your awareness. But the problem comes when uh, you're alone or uh, uh, or somebody is you're in a relationship conflict can you follow the process then instead of just falling into your normal one-sidedness mm-hmm. and here is where personal development is the point that you need to work out some of your stuff in any number of a thousand ways so that you can remember your viewpoint but you can stand at least a little bit enough further away from your own viewpoint so that you can see yourself and the other. That's, that's personal development, and that's, uh, in a way, beyond the cognitive training of all of us. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the cognitive training, that there's going to be something at some point that prevents you from being in the process or noticing the process because of your own limitations or... That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, and sometimes if you can't get away from your limitations, you must stress those too. Mm-hmm. Like I remember working in Switzerland years ago when we worked in Zurich, uh, and somebody in an extreme state, so-called psychotic state, uh, was seeing me and started jumping around the room. And now I got, the man scared me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was a little uh, shy or afraid. And I thought, well, I want to really explore his jumping, but I can't because I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. He's mm-hmm. nervous. So I said to him, you've got to take care of me first. I'm all messed up. Please take care of me. I get scared when people jump up and down in the room for some reason today. Mm -hmm. And he paid attention to me. And then I could relax enough and work with him. And it went on like that. So so your own process can play an important role, especially if you can't get rid of it. You've got to bring it in in some gentle way that's useful for the other. So how do you integrate, uh, or do you integrate counter-transference in process work? Mm -hmm. Well, yes, uh, the counter-transference, meaning the way that the therapist feels when the uh, client is upset or mm-hmm. love or something like that, 
that we consider that also a relationship process. That's what I'm saying. How do we deal with that? Well, that depends very much upon the, the situation. Some therapists, some process work therapists uh, may want to protect themselves and simply analyze the situation. Well, this is about your father or mother. Mm -hmm. uh, that can be helpful. Um, and uh, but frequently, like my own therapist, I thought was very process or my own union therapist, uh, mm -hmm. Franz Ricklin. He used to say, uh, "I'm having these." He would talk about it. I'm having these feelings. He said, "Let's go out instead of sitting at at our uh, in my office. Let's go out at a cafe here in Zurich and have a coffee together." Mm -hmm. I want to get away from this technical thing myself. Mm -hmm. That was very, very helpful to me. That's, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's how he dealt with the counter transfer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, in other words, that there is, um, you know, a dose of actually uh, putting it out in the open. Yeah. Uh, as you were describing in the example with this jumping person, that you yeah. put it out in the open. Instead of having to uh, to be locked in figuring it out. Yes, if you can't get around yourself, then you too can be part of the path. Mm -hmm. You have to ask, and, and it always has to be built in. You have to ask the other person, is it okay if I bring out my own stuff for a minute or two? Right. Oh, you know what I mean. Yes. You have to be very careful, and it depends upon the client. So I can't make a generality about process, but careful... Trying to get around yourself, and if you can't, then you too can be an important part of the process. Yeah. That man that was jumping up and down needed to know he was that he scared people. He, it was good for him to know he was powerful. He didn't think he was a powerful person. Mm -hmm. He was so powerful he scared me. Mm -hmm. So he felt really good about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to say, I'm scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I can see. I mean, I think that's a that's a good uh, a good sense of um, um, for people to to get uh, some understanding of what you mean by process work. And um, so, as we're as we're closing this conversation, which is you know way too short, um, I wanted to see if you want to say something as a closing statement, or if we just um, you know end it here. Well, a closing statement, I never have any intelligent thing to say that I can think of, but I want to say to you again that uh, you're doing this, you're taking the time to do this, is something that everybody should be thanking you for, not just because of the conversation with me, but because of what you do with other people. I want you to know uh, I really appreciate people like you who are doing things for the world. We need more characters like you. So that's one of the things I want to say. I really appreciate it. Yes, and I, it's, it's very important to me that people like you exist. And I have nothing to say really to close this process. Processes go on and on and don't close. But I just can only say, follow your nature. Uh, mm -hmm. Follow nature the best you can. Yeah. So that's nice, actually, also to, to just have that point that, uh, you know, there can be no closing statement in the sense of process doesn't close. Yeah. And to well, follow nature, yeah. Yeah, we're always developing, and it even looks like we're developing right up until the last minute. Yeah. 
Well, thanks, Arnie. It's a pleasure talking to you, sir. Same here. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.